Welcome to the ElfQuest Show, the internet's only fan-made podcast series dedicated to the long-running, award-winning, epic fantasy series ElfQuest, created by Wendy and Richard Peeney. I'm David Mizajewski, also known as Thornbreak on the ElfQuest forums. Joining me is my friend and fellow ElfQuest uber geek, Ryan Brown. Ryan's our editor and producer, working the magic to put this podcast together. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the ElfQuest show. Tonight, we are going to be discussing issue number seven of the final quest. Uh, David's here, and so is Ryan. Hey, guys. So, hey, hey um, before we dive into the issue, just, you know, a few updates and little bits of news that we wanted to make sure everybody knows about. Um, there's a few new ElfQuest books on the horizon. The um, volume two of the complete elf quest is going to be out on February 17th. Mm-hmm. So if you haven't already pre-ordered it from TFA or Amazon, you know, go ahead and do that. And um, that'll be your best bet at getting it. And of course it will be available on dark horse digital as well. So if you don't want the giant thick book, you can have it on your device to be able to carry with you everywhere you want. Great. So, um, and I'm looking at Amazon right now, mm-hmm. <clears throat> excuse me. And um, they've got it down um, at I, this might just be for Prime because I have a Prime membership, but it's only sixteen bucks. Oh, right you, on! If you pre-order it now, um, and the Kindle edition is only twelve bucks. Amazing! So this is you know really affordable ElfQuest, and again, Volume Two of the Complete ElfQuest collects the entire Siege of Blue Mountain and Kings of the Broken Wheel storylines into one book. That's great. I think yeah. that's the first time that's ever been done, where both of those uh, stories have been collected into one volume. Exactly, and hmm. you know it's interesting to think about too how those stories really do blend right in together. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And for those of us who read them as individual comics at the time, you know, there was a break between the two series and things were just very different. And so there's a sort of artificial feeling that they're two totally different stories. But if you think about it, they're really not. They kind of, like I said, just lead right into each other. So I'm really right. eager to get them in this format so that we can kind of read it all together as one story and see how that changes the experience. Yeah, I think it was, what, three years in between the two stories, but within the timeline itself of the actual story, it was almost immediately after, right? Yeah, it pretty much was immediately after, maybe a day or two. So, And if you think about the fact that the basically Siege of Blue Mountain all the way up till when the palace was stolen all happens in the space within the space of a few days. No. Yeah. I mean, I think like, we've talked about this on the show before. Have we? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Siege of Blue Mountain story arc takes place within like a week. And then yeah. as soon as that ends, Kings of the Broken Wheel picks up. And, you know, again, maybe a week goes by for, um, for Tree Stump and Clearbrook to take Rayek up to, back up to the Frozen North. But then immediately after that, they come right back, they pick up the Wolf Riders, they hop over to the Sun Village for a night, and then they go to the New Land, and then Rake steals the palace. Wow. I never so, really thought of that before, but you're absolutely right. Yeah. Yeah. In, no in rest sort of, for the weary. No. And story time, it happens pretty much you know, immediately. So anyway, wow. I'm, I'm looking forward to that. And that, of course, we have already dubbed ElfQuest the New Testament. Exactly. As compared to the Complete ElfQuest Volume 1, which is the Old Testament. Testament. And speaking of which, this is another bit of news that I don't have 100% confirmed, but I've 
I've been messaging with several folks online, and it seems like Dark Horse has corrected the misprinted page in Volume One of the Complete Elf Quest, and that the uh, the, the sort of the the misprinted editions are no longer available. They're not on the shelves, and they're not being shipped out. Um, you know, when you order online. Oh so, wow, that's great. Okay, yeah. so would that mean that they've gone to second printing? Uh, either they've gone to second printing or they've recalled the misprinted books and just reprinted them. I don't know. Um, I have emailed Dark Horse asking about this several yeah. times and I've not gotten a response. And Richard uh, just this week posted that he has been, you know, sort of on them to get some information out. And I haven't seen any info from Richard on the subject. So my guess is that they haven't, you know, communicated anything officially to anybody. That's right. why, um, again, I've been emailing them. But I definitely, I have, I have, two separate confirmations that people ordered the book and received it with the correct pages. Well, that's good news. Do you yeah. remember what pages it was? Because next time I see it, if I'm out at a bookstore and I see it, I'll take a look. Yes. Um, I don't know the page numbers off the top of my head, but it's a scene where um, where Skywise and Aurori meet for the first time. Okay, or yeah. are chatting for the first time. Right. And um, there's instead of the page where she says to him, and are you wise about the sky? That page is completely missing, and they've mm-hmm. reprinted a page from earlier um, with the fight between the Wolf Riders and the Chosen Eight. Yeah. So. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll take a look next time I see it because yeah. I'm curious to see. Um, have we heard anything about a Volume Three? <clears throat> um, I have not heard anything about a Volume Three, but my oh. guess is that there will be a Volume Three based on. The fact that it seems like sales are going well, um, but we'll have to see because that's where we get into the non-Wendy linear, Richard. right, and, and non-linear as well, right, and and non-Wendy uh, and Richard. <clears throat> yeah, you're absolutely right. So that I, I'd be curious to see what would go into a volume three, um, just on that basis alone. Um, how Dark Horse would streamline the story. I'm sure that would include uh, feedback from Wendy and Richard themselves. Um, yeah. as to what would go into it. But it would be interesting just to see, um, you know, what, what stories they would choose to put into a volume three. Right. Um, well, if you look at the what they did with DC mm-hmm. um, in the in the manga versions, which were really the only time that uh, that those. Well, I shouldn't say that the readers collection collected a lot of the the, the post Kings storylines. Um, but. DC never got far enough with their colored editions, so the manga versions were really where we saw that material reprinted. And um, they didn't go, I, I'm trying to remember, issue, or uh, the, the edition 14, I think, was the last one. I think that only went up as far as the, yeah, actually, I'm pretty certain, because the cover is Cutter beating up Rayek. That only went as far as the Hidden Years 9.5, the big fight between Cutter and Rayek. Yeah, I don't um, think they ever got into publishing uh, the uh, series from Volume 2 right? or anything. Pe- so wait a second. Then. That's no shards, no hidden years. No, no. That has never been sort of collected other than in the readers' collections. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see what Dark Horse does because I sort of got the feeling, and this is just a hunch, that because fan reaction was mixed to some of the – the you know sort of the '90s era stuff that Wendy and Richard were not doing directly. That I kind of got the the sense that DC was a little bit less interested in publishing that because they didn't think fans would like it. I think right. I think th- that is completely. It's there's sort of a different 
we're in a different place now. And I think that fans would buy that stuff if mm-hmm. Dark Horse put it out. I mean, we've been seeing plenty of people on on social media and on the ElfQuest forums basically begging for even, you know, again, hidden year shards and, and so on and so forth in, in sort of <clears throat> consistent volumes with what Dark Horse is putting out. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'm hopeful that there'll be another another of these complete elf quests coming out down the line. But yeah, in the meantime, we've got volume two coming out on February 17th. And then we've got the first collected edition of the final quest, which yeah. will be out on April 14th. So right. that's going to be the Final Quest Volume 1. And again, that's going to be the Final Quest Special plus the first six issues. And yeah. it will, that will be in full color. So that's, that's full kind color. of exciting. Yeah, yeah, I'm very excited for that. <clears throat> um, and then we, lastly, we've got, we just got an announcement from Wendy and Richard about yet another ElfQuest book that is on the horizons. Mm-hmm. This is The Art of ElfQuest. Yeah. And this is the book that you know, sort of got teased probably around a year ago. And, More than that. It was maybe two or... Maybe it was two three. years ago, yeah. Yeah, it was a while back. But yeah, that's been a work in progress for quite a while now. Um, right. Sonny, I think, is involved in that on some level, is he not? Well, there there are two books that yeah, yeah. Andy and Richard have talked about doing with a publisher called Flesk Publications. Mm-hmm. And one of them is The Art of ElfQuest. Yes. And that's pretty much obvious what that's going to be about. And then the other one was um, sort of teased as the line of beauty, the art of Wendy Peeney. Right. And that's the one that Sonny was going to be involved with, if, oh, okay. you know, writing writing part of it or uh, I'm not really sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, so sure. I, I don't know for sure what's up with that one because the news that we got from Wendy and Richard um, via Facebook, I believe it was, was that they met with Flesk and that the art of ElfQuest book is now tentatively scheduled for a release of fall 2015. And it's going to be 300 pages featuring Wendy's art from ElfQuest. And I'm now exactly. And I'm guessing it's going to be a lot of stuff that we've never seen before. Oh, I just, I I can't wait for that. (laughs) I I don't even have words to express like what I'm feeling right now when I hear about that. Yeah, (laughs) I know. I'm trying to not get overly excited because yeah, it's too far away. I don't think about it. Being an ElfQuest fan requires that you have a um, uh, patience of, you know, a Zen master. <laughs> Absolutely. I know. Well, it's kind of like waiting for the new Star Wars movie to come out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Although, yeah. for some reason, I feel like that, maybe because I'm not, I, I, I'm a big Star Wars fan, but not on the par, on par with how obsessed I am with ElfQuest. And so. Same here. I can kind of check out of Star Wars fandomness for yeah. a few months and not really bat an eye. And then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, last time I checked it was six months away. Now it's only two. Mm-hmm. That doesn't happen with ElfQuest. So. Yeah. <laughs> Except if the new movie was starring Ewoks, then you'd probably. Well, maybe, maybe then. Yes. Yeah. In that case. <laughs> In that case. All right. So those yep. are um, just a little bits of news that I had, um, you know, again, just uh, reminders for folks that if you want these graphic novels, make sure you um, order them and pre-order them. And um, and just the fact that the more ElfQuest we buy now, the more Dark Horse is likely to make. So exactly. Um, yeah. Did you have anything else that you wanted to add news wise? Uh, no, I think you covered everything. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head apart from what you uh, just mentioned. Okay, cool. So, yeah. Well, well. okay, so now we're going to go right into the issue, Final Quest number seven. And yes. we have to start. There's only one place to start. Mm-hmm. If you have listened to our last episode of this podcast where we did a special sort of 
uh, uh, speculations. speculations and predictions yeah. on what would be in this issue based on the cover and then the teaser art that came out, the first few pages that came out. And we talked about a whole bunch of crazy theories. And yes. Ryan nailed one. And so I'm going to just stop talking and let you say it for a few minutes. <laughs> okay, well, I'm going to do some shameless gloating here. But I think it's well-deserved. I do, too. My part. Um, you know, I might, I might mess up pronunciation of names and such, but on this one, I, I got it right. I think I'm pretty good on the speculation front. Um, so I suggested that my, pr my prediction was um, with regards to Shen Shen. And uh, we've been told for quite a while, since Dreamtime at least, that uh, Shen Shen's destiny would be, uh, uh, we'd be surprised by what happened to her come the final quest. And um, my prediction in our last episode was that she would choose to become human. Um, and I based this prediction on a number of different clues. Um, one of them being uh, Dreamtime itself, where Shenzhen sees uh, Talit with five fingers, um, and the whole idea of her shining where she loves. And I related that to the fact that maybe it has something to do with her love of being a midwife. I don't know if that's the term that the elves use. Yeah, they do. Uh, they do, do they? Yeah. As a midwife? Okay. Mm -hmm. um, so I was kind of putting two and two together, and then combined with that was uh, on Ask Elf Mom from years ago. Um, Wendy made a little comment about Shen Shen's destiny being something that we'd never suspect. Uh -huh. uh, <laughs> uh, so maybe I proved that wrong. Yeah, Wendy. little did she know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and then there was one other thing. There was a tidbit of information from a couple of years ago. And uh, it was actually it was from Searcher and the Sword, I believe. And it was Shen Shen in her new costume. And Wendy made a comment that it was influenced by her interest and curiosity about humans. Yes. And so all of these things combined sort of meshed together in my brain. And I don't know what happened. I tapped into something. But I thought, what if Shen Shen chooses to become human in order to blend in with the humans. Now, the one thing I will say, I wasn't clear on why she would want to do it, right. but now it totally makes sense because right. she wants to do, it all came together in this issue. Um, so anyways, all that being said, I'm an amazing genius and I take <laughs> full credit for having predicted this. Yeah, so, no, yeah. I, I, I think it's awesome that you, <laughs> that you got it. And um, I, I, I re-listened to the last episode on my commute home tonight because <laughs> as I posted on Facebook, I actually couldn't even remember what we talked about yeah. or what we predicted. And so I wanted to make sure I, you know, I, 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 I knew which thing that you predicted correctly. And also just to kind of relisted everything we said. Yeah, mostly we got everything wrong. But that was yeah. one thing that we did not get wrong. And of course, a lot of what we talked about, you know, maybe some of it could end up coming to fruition down the line. But um, okay. Why don't we just... Yeah, let's, let's talk just about Shen Shen though. Okay, let's talk about Shen Shen. I mean, I... Um, I don't really have much to add other than it's one of those things where, again, I, I never would have seen it coming until you said it. But all of those clues, you're absolutely right. You know, the, her, she wanted a dress made after human fashion and her dream. And I think that the idea that Shen Shen's, you know, her, her um, where, where she shines, you know, she shines where she loves. And what she's really, she loves bringing life into the world. 
And um, and it, yeah, it kind there's like a certain sort of logic. Well, elves don't have babies very often. Who does? Humans. And I love the line where she's yeah. like, yeah, I've been long impressed with the fact that humans pop babies out left and right. Um, right. Well, then we've got Pike right, too showing right, up, right? right. And he yeah. says something about uh, what the only thing that uh, breeds close to rabbits is humans. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, it's just, it's it's a fascinating new uh, turn of events for sure. I mean, but it makes sense within the context of Final Quest, right? Because we've already seen so much of the healer's powers being augmented and put to use in these new creative, interesting yeah, ways yeah. that we've never seen before. Like, they're basically becoming high ones again. Right, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, exactly, on, on some level. And again, you know, like, that's part of, I think, what the crux of the dilemma is going to be, oh yeah, because some elves can actually become like high ones, and I bet you know some like the wolf riders won't be able to. Mm-hmm. And um, I also think it's interesting too because if you know we know that we know that that part of the conflict here is sort of the way versus the palace, and um, you know living on the world of two moons or leaving it. But Shen Chen's decision here mm-hmm. presents a third option, right? Blending and that in. is yeah, blending in, right? Okay. What if? Yeah. What if some of these elves choose to essentially become humans, at least in form, mm-hmm. and you know choose to go out into the human populace, and that's how they are going to survive in the world of two moons? Which, if you think about it, is really not all that different than what Timain did by right. you know sort of creating a, a sort of a, a breed or a, you know a subspecies of of conehead, if you will, yeah. that is actually part of the world of two moons. So they would just sort of take that to the next step by shaping their bodies to look like the native inhabitants. And, you know, it really wouldn't be... Any different. Any different, which is kind of fascinating. Um, Shen Shen says... um... She's talking about her dream in dream time with, uh, where she sees Talit with the five fingers, and she says her smile meant to shape is just a shape, something to wear like an ornament. I mean, in essence, these are beings who can take on any shape they want um like the form of an elf isn't really their true form to begin with that in its that in itself is a an ornament right i mean what what was the line that timian said via suntop to just describe this something like you know we took we took on the shape of human fancy or something along those lines human fantasy and um Mm-hmm. And you then know. Leic, when he was uh, in siege, um, when he was turning the scrolls, and he said, "We were beings of fire once." Yes, meaning yeah. that they could fire is, you know, it can take on any form. Really, I guess it's it's not solid in that sense. So exactly, yeah, is, sort of pure energy. Right, energy. Exactly. Thank you. Um, um, yeah. So so yeah, it is it is really neat to see it play out in the story. This sort of logic process. Well, mm. you know, if these are truly beings that can choose whatever shape they want to be in. And if the palace is bringing the elf populace back to, um, you know, to the powers of old, then doesn't it make sense that this power would reemerge? And maybe they can't all do it at their own will yet, Mm -hmm. but they can certainly do it with the help of powerful healers like Lita. So it's it's totally logical that, that some elves would want to choose this route now that it's kind of open to them. I do have to say, though, that one of my um, th- this issue has one of my favorite panels, I think, of Elf- in ElfQuest of all time. Oh, and wow. it's it's when um, it's when Lita and Shen Chen are, are, are talking and Lita has kind of accepted that, OK, I am going to do this. And when she kind of squeezes Shen Chen's cheeks and says, I'm so attached to this precious face. 
Uh, it's just super cute. It's totally a great little sibling I'm moment. I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. And Shen Shen is totally adorable, looking up at her big sis, and mm-hmm. I just thought it was really cute. They've done that before. That I couldn't tell you where, but I recognize that same image. Um, oh not, yeah, not yeah, the exact same. But where they're touching noses like that, I've seen Lita and Shen Shen doing that in some other. It's in it's in um, Kings of the Broken Wheel yeah. when they bring the palace back to the Sun Village or to the Sun Village for the first time. And Shen Shen's hung over in her hut. And when she realizes what's happening, she comes running out just wrapped in a blanket. And she runs up to Lita and she starts sending, which she's never done before. Oh. And and she and Lita kind of embrace each other. And there's tears and their faces are kind of right next to each other just like that. There's a lot of uh, nose rubbing, actually, that I've noticed in this issue. Yeah, right? not a lot, but I did notice it. I, I made note of that. Um, it seems maybe the equivalent of kissing. Well, okay, so this is this is another little nugget of info that Wendy shared on Facebook this week, and you know we've we somewhere along the lines, I think Wendy andor Richard might have said in like one of the old interviews or something like you know elves don't really kiss, mm-hmm. and that's why they're not depicted like you know sucking face. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> in the comic, sure. but um, somebody had posted the picture from. I think it was Final Quest issue number one of Cutter and Lita touching noses and, um, you know, just talking about how, like, maybe this is their version of kissing. And Wendy commented on it and said, you know, do kiss in the sense that they use their mouths and they put their mouths in each other's mouths and they put them all over each other in other places. And, you know, they suck and lick and all that kind of stuff that that would kind of fall under the broad heading of kiss, but that they don't kind of hold it the way that people do. And it's much more animalistic it, it almost right. sounded um and so um so that yeah just another little nugget of info and insight into these characters and the story that wendy shared on facebook so if you're not on facebook the official elfquest page or um the different fan groups um notably the the main one the elfquest uh, facebook fan group which wendy and richard participate in um you're missing out because they share cool stuff all the time Tons of uh, hints and, yeah, information about the story. You know, one thing you were saying before about um, disguising, the elves disguising themselves as humans and maybe blending in as sort of a third option, Mm -hmm. um, as opposed to either leaving or or staying uh, on the world of two moons as elves. Um, It it kind of takes you down the rabbit hole of speculation again, um, you know, wondering if it's possible that some of them would transform into humans Mm -hmm. and then forget that they were elves like Tamine forgot that she was an elf right Um, well that's an interesting mm -hmm. thought I would say wolves don't have the same sort of mental capacity or yeah capacity or way of being Mm -hmm. that's not like a human would sentient being right 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 and so Timane shaped herself so thoroughly into a wolf that she kind of really got into the wolf mindset and forgot that she was an elf or millennia i don't know that that would happen with a human and then the other thing that would prevent that is the fact that they didn't die you're right that's you know the human lifespan would come and go and these people would never change they would look the same they wouldn't age so even if they forgot somebody would point something out and so that's that's an interesting conundrum that Mm. they would have to sort of deal with but but yeah i mean now now that we're talking about it Yeah, yeah i think i think there are four options that we've kind of explored as for okay. what 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 are going to be the options for the elves on the world of two moons one like you just said is they leave yes they get in the palace and they get out of dodge right. two <laughs> is that they stay on the world of two moons but maybe go deeper and deeper into hiding 
Yes. Um, and three is that they shape themselves into humans and just blend into human society. Mm-hmm. And then four mm-hmm. is the really crazy idea that we talked about last podcast and the speculation issue that some of them might choose to give up their bodies altogether right. and just become one with the spirit palace. Yeah. Um, and so all of them yeah. are have huge implications. And then, of course, what I want to start doing because I'm a Virgo and I like, you know, structure and organization and yeah. lists is like starting to write names of elves that I think might fall into each of these categories. Oh, cool. Yeah. Um, that would be, but, really, um, uh, that would be great to post somewhere once you get that done. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if we'll I'm have like a that crazy. <laughs> we'll check them off when you get them right. Right. <laughs> but you know, so, so the next thing that that makes me think of mm-hmm. is Sunstream's comment to Saba and, Skywise, let me see. I'm kind of scrolling through on my iPad here to find the page about the wave dancers. And he says, you know, Saba's like, oh, the wave dancers seem to be liking the world better, I see. And he says, yeah, I think most of them would prefer the sea to the stars. Mm-hmm. That actually, I think, I think, yeah, I, I, yeah I, I think that that's definitely some kind of hint or foreshadowing. Yeah. Um, that, you know, if, if and when the palace does leave, that the wave dancers who are so attached to their habitat and their environment mm-hmm. on the world of two moons, I mean, they don't ever really come to the palace. You no. know, we've only seen them that, that once when the palace went to them. Right. So I could see them based on what we have heard of them before and seen of them before. And then this comment choosing to stay, which would be really interesting. Yeah, it would be. Although, given that they, the wave dancers, seem to be closer to high ones than the other tribes, that in itself uh, is sort of counterintuitive, I would say, to me at least, because I would think that the closer you are to being a high one, the more you feel the call of the palace and wanting to go back to the star home. But I I take your point, though, of that they're very connected to their environment. Uh, yeah, I it's almost like that as well. Like they have taken because they've chosen the the sea yes. as their 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 refuge from humans and as their habitat. They're like even I mean, and this is reflected in their physical appearance. They're like a step further removed from the rest of the elves, including the high ones. You know, they almost as much as the wolf riders have become part of their environment. Mm-hmm. So much so that they can't survive outside of it. Yeah. Um, now yeah. that's not to say that they couldn't sort of be reshaped or magically changed exactly. in order to not suffer from being away from the water, but um, <clears throat> but yeah, it'll be it'll be really interesting to see where that goes. And that comment that Sunstream made really stood out to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, I can I can see that. Yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting though to see what happens. But I I do take your point there, given yeah. you know their their forms that they've chosen. So All right. So um, let's go back to that um, that conversation between Chen Chen and Pike. Oh sure, yeah, uh, of, yeah. I thought that was that was pretty cool. Like number yeah. one, it's 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 nice to see Pike being featured, put in the spotlight, bit. and and also not being featured as just the stooge. Yeah, you know, Pike is great comic relief, and it's you know he's good old squirrel cheeks, and he's a little bit of a drunk, but yeah. it's nice when when Pike. Still gets to be his lighthearted self, but um, share some wisdom and, you know, maybe has, a, you know, not, I, I was going to say is a little bit more serious, but he's not even serious. He's laughing and chuckling and his, his good old Pike self. But it's just it's kind of cool to see him get a little bit more depth than, again, just the stooge. What I like about Pike, though, is that he plays the role of the jester in right. the series. Um, but the jester is always the one who actually is telling the truth. 
Um, right, so that right, the right, jester is yeah. usually the wisest person in the room. Yep. Um, and he's allowed to make fun of the, the king, right? And right. Uh, whereas yep. everybody else would be at the gu- guillotine. Right. Um, but Although I don't, I don't predict Pike mocking Cutter anytime soon. But. No, no, I don't see that either. <laughs> but, <laughs> um, but yeah, he's de- he definitely plays that role. And in, in this uh, case in particular, um, he's the information that he's uh, sort of communicating to the rest of the group here is actually very deep. Um, yeah, when he's yeah. talking about trading, what does he say? I guess we trade things, big things, for what we truly want. My life mates are spirits. If I stay near the palace, I can sometimes be with them. I'm not all out free, but it's a choice. Yeah, it's just, yeah. He's, he's got hidden depths to him, I think. Definitely. Yeah. While we're on that page, I, I, I two other things that I, I loved. One is um, just really kind of cute to see Shen Chen and Ed Pike kind of uh, be addressed as sort of casual love mates because yeah. we've kind of seen that all the way going back to the original quest when Pike gave Shen Chen a bouquet of flowers when she was sad that Lita was leaving. Friends with benefits. And yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, he calls them a frequent friend in the furs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that was kind of neat. Um, and then also we get a little, uh, a little nugget from uh, New Star and Oler where they, and this actually, this is, okay, so this goes back to my little category of wh- where, at which route the elves are going to go. This is a pretty clear statement that that these two have chosen to live in the world, not to be in the palace, as oh, much sure. as they, they love it. And so, um, but the other thing that it really, that really struck me about this panel, <clears throat> which is also something that I totally love, is that it just seems like Newstar's whole MO and her whole sort of point in the story is to be pretty and smell flowers. <laughs> I have that written down. Okay, this is... This Do is you my, really? This is my note that I wrote. I'm just looking for it right now. Um, oh, uh, yeah, here it is. No, I can't find it. Okay, keep talking. I'll find it. And then I'll yeah, it. Th- th- no, I mean, that, that's pretty much it. It's like whenever we see her, she's just very elegant and dressed in her fancy clothes and looking super pretty, and she almost always is carrying around flowers. Exactly. And, and number one, like, I wish that I could live that life. <laughs> right? Don't we I mean, all, right? Yeah. And it, it really is the epitome of the statement that, you know, Newstar is really the elfiest of all the elves. And the other thing that, that I have to say about that is that that is exactly what makes the trolls hate the elves because they're shiftless and lazy and they don't put any, you know, industrial work in and all they do is kind of what Pickno's even called them faint-hearted flower sniffers. So exactly, well, I think they have magic, right? So they they can get away with it. Right. I think New Star is the embodiment, though, of that troll uh, criticism. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. So this is my note. I found it. Uh, this is exactly what I wrote down. Does New Star do anything other than kneel on the ground, gathering flowers and looking pretty? <laughs> See, great minds. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, actually, another really cool thing on this page is um, is the you know the bottom panel there is we we you know we cut back over to Ember's tribe mm-hmm. and we see Free Touch dressing her big brother, which we're, I'm sure we're, you're going to want to dive into that whole scene. But before we do, yeah. check out the background. Yeah. We we have a couple things going on that are really cool. Yes. We see Dushine and Talit, mm-hmm. and they're chatting. We know that that it's fall. You can tell by the foliage. Yep. And um, the first cool thing yeah. is that we get confirmation that Talit's hair still goes white when the when winter's coming. Isn't that neat? And she gets streaks of white in her hair. Yeah. Which was mentioned when she was first introduced back mm-hmm. at Kings of the Broken Wheel, but one no panel. one has ever. 
when she yeah. was a, a little kid. Yeah. And, and we never saw it again. And there, right. yeah, I've always wondered because I'm a weirdo who obsesses over <laughs> ElfQuest. But here we, we have the confirmation. Exactly. Yeah. So I thought that was really neat. It's really that, neat. Yeah. That kind of, you know, that, that sort of little character element was brought back. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing that I love about this yep. is that we get to see, well, what what Dushine says is these snowy streaks in your hair appeared overnight, my Tillit. Mm-hmm. That means the harsh white cold will set in soon. Yeah. And if you zoom in on that panel, mm-hmm. we get to see these two life mates. Yeah. They know each other's soul names. Right. Acting like a couple. Yes. And that's yeah. amazing. Yeah. Um, and the fact that that Dushine calls Tillit my Tillit. Right. You know, like there's they're obviously you know affectionate sure. and. And they're obviously, you know, sort of in a relationship. And that is just awesome. And I know that, um, you know, w- we've been hinted at that there's going to be sort of a more prominently featured same-sex couple or whatever. And, yeah. um, and, um, and, you know, myself included, you know, other fans, you know, we recognize that that has been in ElfQuest before. Mm-hmm. But it's always been sort of a three-mating, you know, whether it's, yeah. it's, it's Red Lance and Cutter and Nightfall or if it's, Pike and Scott and Krim, or Tillit and Dushine and Scouter. There's always like an opposite sex person to be a buffer. Yeah, well, in um, this case, you've got they're the sister wives, right? With Scouter. So. Right, right. No, but, but see, that's what I'm saying. It's yeah, like, yeah. They're not the sister wives. No, no, they they're not. Equally, yeah. And, 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 and the, the other big thing that I want to say about this is that when I saw this panel, I kind of mentally went back. I, I haven't gone back page by page, but I think just from memory, for the entirety of the final quest, every time we have seen anybody of that threesome together, it's always been Talit and Dusha. Scouter hasn't really been, like you always see the two of them right next to each other together and all of the scenes where they're fleeing from Anger of Jun and um, you know the, the tear rescue scene and when the palace comes back, the two of them are always kind of right next to each other. Mm. And so again, it's happening in the background. It's kind of there for those who, you know, are, can perceive it and see sure. it. Yeah. And I just, I wanted to call that out because, you know, this is what Wendy and Richard have been doing all along, long before it was, you know, sort of deemed acceptable or allowable, especially in a quote unquote family friendly comic book to show same sex couples in relationships. Right. And um, they've been doing it subtly um, behind the scenes, kind of like this. Um, so I just thought that was really cool. And I, and I really wanted to recognize them and how progressive ElfQuest really is. Um, yeah. Well, we so. know we know that um, Wendy has said several times now that there is going to be a prominent same-sex couple in the final quest, and right. uh, we just don't know who it was, who it is going to be. But I think we have an idea now. But um, uh, she did mention at one point she said there might be more than one, and right. that could just be a reference to actually making the relationship between. Uh, Dushine and Talit a little bit more pronounced in that respect. That which they... also, sorry, go ahead. No, no, go ahead. Yeah, I was. I another thought just popped into my head as yeah. you said that is, what if Scouter dies? I was just thinking the same thing. Yeah, right. You know, and would they and remain then, together? I I would assume they would. Why? I would absolutely assume yeah. they would. Um, yeah. You know, based on everything that we were just talking about. So, yeah. um, well, that's a scary thought. I don't Scouter want Scouter to die. No, I yeah. don't want Scouter to die either. Um, but <laughs> you know, if it happens, at least Dushan and Talit have each other. Right. Yeah. Right. Although um, I don't know, Scouter kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes, but not not to the point where I'd want him to die. But he's 
sometimes. Well, I, he is, but I am okay with that because it's totally within his character. Yeah. It's not just random. It's not just like, oh, let's pick somebody to be a dick. It's, you know, we've got this character who from day one has been shown to be very, very protective, potentially overprotective of his family, which was only exacerbated by losing his father. Yeah. And so I think his his storyline over the, the all over the multiple ElfQuest you know, storylines mm-hmm. has been very consistent and very believable from that point of view. Yeah. I know not everybody agrees, but they're wrong. (laughs) (laughs) So back to um, same-sex couples then, uh, we have an intimation of one potentially forming uh, on the next couple of pages. uh, Yes. That one scene. And uh, it would involve Mender and Dart. Right, which is something else we speculated about. Yeah, we did. Yep. um, In the last episode. So... um, Remember I said... I think this was a joint uh, prediction, but I, I remember saying something about them getting angry with each other, and then it turns into that <laughs> right, like right. that cliche where they're fighting, and the next thing they're like rolling around naked together. <laughs> totally, yeah, yeah, yeah. So they don't that get that far happen, in this issue, no. but but no, I agree. There's definitely there's not so subtle hints um, yeah. and kind of innuendo. I mean, and so so I be, before we talk about the specifics, this is this whole scene is just so awesome to me Yeah. Um, on every every level. I mean, so we have the interaction between Free Touch and Dart where she is kind of dressing him and, and she's like, Dart's like, I said I wanted something simple. And she's like, it is simple. And it's just like very elaborate get up, which was just cute. Um, and just seeing, you know, little sister dressing big brother, I thought was really kind of cute too. She's definitely got a, a distinctive sense of style, very different from her mother's. Yes, yeah. <laughs> lots of Lots of bare flesh. Yes, lots of bear flesh, yeah, exactly. A little um, punk rock. Yeah, yeah, which is kind of neat. Um, so, so, so there's that interaction with her, with Free Touch and and Dart in that same scene. You know, Ember and Tear kind of walk in and are observing from afar. Um, and I love this. Ember's like Free Touch is like amazing, and she's juggling Sust Pool and Mender at the same time. Yeah. And that Ember bows to her, which I just thought was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, so obviously, you know, free touch is, is love mates with all of them. Right. Yeah. Um, and I love the scene where she pounces on member, on member, on mender. I'm not even gonna, yeah. I don't even, <laughs> so she pounces on mender <laughs> and, um, just because it's, I, I love, I just love the drawing of it because yeah. It's so wolfy, you know, she's got her little foxtail pinned to her butt and, you know, free touch definitely is all wolf rider. And I I just love it because it's always great to get new wolf rider characters. There's so few and far between. And, um, and we're getting to see her kind of play that out, which is I think awesome. She's always been a fun character and it's great to see her at this age now where she's got her own defined personality and she's coming into her own. Yeah. She, I, I really, uh, she's starting to grow on me. Yeah. Um, so what else do I love about this? So I love that, that little interaction. I love, yep. you know, s- sort of getting her recognized as a love mate of, of Mender, Sust and Poole. Mm-hmm, yeah. I think that's, I think a lot of fans have been waiting to get confirmation that at least her and, um, 
and Poole and Sust were getting it on. So sure. everybody, you've got that. Now we just have to see it on camera. Exactly. Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> um, and hopefully, um, no rocks will be in the way. Like uh, yes, yeah. <laughs> lead in cutters first time. Right, but getting back to the sort of the Mender interaction and dirt. Mender and dart. Yeah. yeah. So so first, you know, Mender comes in. You know, uh, I wrote this on on the forums today. It's like, oh, Mender, you so horny, right? <laughs> he walks yeah. in, and the first thing he says is makes a salacious comment about Dart being naked, yep. which is just awesome. Yeah. And uh, but then there's their conversation kind of takes a turn mm -hmm. in the next scene that they're in together. Well, just before where... we get to that, I just wanted to talk a little bit about Mender and this whole situation because, despite the fact that we've been told uh, throughout the years that the elves are uh, omnisexual, I suppose is mm -hmm. the closest label if we have to put one on them i know wendy and richard hate having to define uh like put people into categories um right. and i i think it's kind of pointless too but uh you know for the sake of clarity um we have never really seen it apart from you know the depictions like you were talking about earlier of three matings or something in the background where if you're perceptive enough you'll catch it but it's never really that blatant but this is i i would venture the first real indication of same-sex attraction being so um clearly communicated within the story where there's no like second guessing around it right well, well, okay. I, I, I don't know that we can say for sure that, that that's what's going to happen here. This could just be, this, this could actually be a red herring in could, the truest definition. Yeah. So, but just with that caveat being yeah. said, I agree with what you're saying. Okay. Um, and then uh, on top of that, is that, a, that might be a Freudian slip. But, uh, <laughs> um, the whole idea behind healers as being sexual initiators. Now, we've never seen Mender with another male before, but uh -huh. um, it's always been implied to some degree that they would act as sexual initiators. And it makes sense that, uh, you know, given what we've been told, okay, they're omnisexual, healers are sexual initiators. Um, they have, they might have preferences, but they're open to basically anything so uh, you yep. know this this does actually make sense in that in that respect like it, it, it would it, see right. dart half naked and be like hey hot right. dude what's up <laughs> exactly i think if it does end up being these two yeah um then there's it makes so much sense i mean for everything that you were just saying about mender um I, you know i think mender is an equal opportunity lover and that makes you know, both as a healer and just it fits his personality, right? Mm -hmm. um, and then Dart, you know, we know has had, well, he's had a couple sort of love mating, life matings. Um, and one of them was with Shushan, yeah. who was male. Right. And, you know, the whole, the whole bit is, the whole thing is that there are no gay elves, but right. there are also no straight elves, right? Yeah. The whole point with Wendy and Richard making that point is that they're trying to present a world where we don't need to segregate ourselves or label ourselves and, and the elves being sort of an idealized version of how they wish things could be and maybe we could get there one day. Mm -hmm. That's why they don't have those names or labels or whatever. And so, um, so far in the story, to your point, we've only ever really seen a you know, sort of, a, sort of a heteronormative way of being, right? Where the elves generally stick to the opposite sex, even though off the page, Wendy and Richard are saying that everybody sleeps with everybody and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so what, um, I, and I think all of that's fine. Um, <clears throat> but it's like, you know, so there are no gay elves, there are no straight elves, 
I do think it's fine if you know to say that some elves have a preference one way or the other, like Skywise. He's articulated. He prefers what the maidens have. And so I've said it before, but I think it would make perfect logical sense from what we have seen of Dart in the past for him to be an elf that maybe prefers the lads, if you will. And so exactly. um, if, if it is Dart and if it is Mender, it makes total sense. It's so in character for the two of them um, to, to, to go that route. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so I guess we'll have to see because the, the scene, their scene really ends on a cliffhanger and it's really nothing to do with them being attracted to each other. If that is indeed what's going on, it's totally different. It's no, about- cause I think it does. I think okay. there is a little bit of a hint of that at the very end with the last line when um, we get Mender's eyes, the close up, and he says uh, a true cutter and leader, are everything I could be if, if I could, but I'm nowhere near as good as they or you. And he's looking at him. And uh, I take that as some, uh, there's something going on there between him seeing Dart for who Dart really is and there's an attraction that's right. developing. That's, no, that's I, how I, I took that. Yes, no, 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 that's exactly how I take it as well. But what, what I was trying to say is yes. that that wasn't what the scene was about. No, no, no. That, that was like, in there. Right, that's like the, the subtext of the scene. The actual, what they're talking about is completely different. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but it, it kind of leads us on that cliffhanger there. So yes. again, I could see Wendy and Richard totally doing this as a red herring where we're all going to think that this is what's going to happen. And then mm-hmm. it's going to turn out to be something totally different where, you know, the thing that is so good about Dart in Mender's eyes is his like crazy wing hair or something. And, yeah. yeah. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I was just looking and, at that today at his hair and I'm thinking, how does it stay up like that? Where it's they're getting uh, yeah, hair gel somewhere at the, uh, the local well, <laughs> corner store. I don't know. Like what? Yeah. Tree well, sap. There you go. As we've talked about before with the makeup discussion, whether or not elves wear makeup, I mean, there are plenty of ways that you could get natural materials that would serve as sort of some kind of gel to make your hair do that. But I think it's just um, elves' hair works differently than humans. So we'll just probably leave it at that. And that's probably the best. Yes, the best explanation that we're ever going to get because I don't think Wendy and Richard are going to explain it to us. No. But um, Dart is a surly son of a bitch, though. No, 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 no. I okay. think he is. So he's he's always gloomy. Well, okay. So here is my big thing. So so, so the the whole hinting that maybe the two of them are going to get it on. Okay. So set that aside for a second. Okay. This scene between the two of them. Yeah. Is another one of my all time favorite scenes for a whole variety of reasons. Okay. One, the first panel with Sust and Mender sitting next to I, each other, getting I love a fish. That love it. I love how Sust looks now. He looks so like wild. Totally. That's what I was just going to say. I mean, this is like, this is like, el- these are like wolf riders. He's you know? awesome looking. I want to see more of him now. Totally. I want to see his, like his outfit is awesome. And, yeah. and like Sust is just cool. His hair is cool. Yeah. His character design is cool. But yeah, just like, I love getting to see, again, these little sort of day in the life vignettes of wolf riders just doing wolf rider stuff, like yeah, sitting in the cool. woods, cutting open a fish and, you know, kibitzing about killing your enemies right i know it's, um, yeah it's like they're just chilling like talking about killing the uh the anger of drunk right, men yes yeah, right. cool and yeah. just like the expression on mender's face too it's just mm-hmm. awesome he's like mm-hmm. <laughs> um which so that's leads just, right into the whole discussion about right, mender right. enjoying killing living beings exactly and so 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 the whole potential love mating thing aside, like there's so much going on in this scene. There's there's Mender actually being called out by another character for the yeah. thing that we've been talking about. We meaning fans collectively, like Mender is a crazy badass, and he has 
I think what Wendy said, he has l- looser scruples or something mm-hmm. than, than an elf like Lita does when it comes to using his power. And he's not afraid to use it to kill and seemingly without any guilt or remorse. And right. we're finally getting to see the elves notice this too and call him out on it. And mm-hmm. you know, Dark goes on to basically compare him to Winnowill. Yeah. Uh, or, or warn him of becoming like Winnowell. And so, yes, he comes in to that scene and he's a little bit surly. And he's like, don't joke about that. The humans could hear you. Um, but then, you know, I don't think he's surly after that. He's concerned. And, and here's yeah. the thing about that. But they're just that... joking around, though. They're having a good time. I mean, I understand where Dart's coming from, but that's what I'm saying. It's his in his nature to be more serious about things. Like, they're just having a laugh. Right. And and Dart has to come in and be like, can you guys, like, be more serious? Well, yeah. <laughs> okay. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with that. But two things. One is yeah. he's doing it because he's trying to be empathetic to those poor human kids. Mm-hmm. Right? So it's not that he's just being grouchy. He's like doing it out of concern because it's kind of a dick move of Sust and Mender to be talking about slaughtering humans in front of these little kids who just had their entire family slaughtered, right? In front of their eyes. Whatever. If I was one of those kids, I'd be like, yeah, go kill them. They just killed my entire family. I'd be um, like, where's my sword? I'll come. Right. Well, so I, 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 I think that Dart in that scene is, yes, he might be cranky and surly, but he's, it's coming from like, a really genuine place, right? And then yeah. the rest of the scene, uh, here's what I love about it, is that I feel like this is the dart that we saw stepping up when the Wolf Riders left Sar's End and, mm-hmm. and, you know, sort of was idealistic and, mm-hmm. you know, just had this, like, really deep care about, about his people. And he didn't see, he doesn't have these rigid lines about what is what is the definition of his people? You know, for him, the sun villagers were his people as much as the wolf riders were. And it's kind of the same thing. Like we see this sort of almost, um, innocent idealized dart kind of talking to Mender being like, yeah, I don't get you. How could you be so horrible? And, you know, I'm concerned about you. I don't want you to turn into Winnowill. And, you know, and, and just his concern about, um, an empathy towards those kids. And I don't think we've really seen this side of dart since then. You know, right. may, may, maybe um, in Siege of Blue Mountain when he was, what, like 16 or 17 years old. Well, um, it's it's kind of been um, foreshadowed a little bit in the special, I believe. Yeah, it was the special um, when Kimo was uh, – Kimo and Dart were chatting with each other and he said um, – Dart said something about he's not a, a strong flame or something. He flickers and he's right. not sure kind of where he belongs almost or who he is. Uh-huh. And now it seems like maybe he's – starting to kind of rediscover himself and maybe come into his own. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I I'm fascinated by this. I really yeah. want to see where, where Dart goes as a character. And, um, and I'm not even just talking about this possible love mating with Mender. Just, mm-hmm. I, I am curious about it. I want to know more. Um, and I want to see more of him, especially in that new outfit with his bare chest. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Given how Dart started out as a character, which was, um, you know, as as a, as a boy, basically, he kind of took over um, the hunting duties in the Sun Village and started up the Jack Wolf Rider tribe. And um, he sort of took a leadership role from a very early age. And then we had Forever Green. But, um, you know, everybody has their own opinions of that storyline. Uh, but he, it felt like that character sort of got lost a little bit 
and who he really was at his core was mm-hmm. sort of um, it got muddy. Um, but I feel like now he's we're sort of rediscovering him as readers and as he rediscovers himself as a an individual yeah i think and i think that is a reflection of the fact that he's now back under wendy and richard's wing if you will yeah Um, you know he is he had he was a major character in a storyline that i mean richard was was heavily involved in but um you know, it's 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 kind of like Winkin or um, any of the various threads of stories of the Wave Dancers, for that matter. That Wendy and Richard are sort of collecting back their their master elf tapestry and weaving his story back in the way that they want it to be, in the way that they see him being. And I think maybe that's what we're we're perceiving here is that um, we're perceiving him more the way that they originally envisioned him or mm-hmm. you know, how his character, how they see his character, which is how we originally met him. Um, and so I think that's great. I mean, it's, I don't think every character has to be exactly the same. I think, you know, throughout the entire saga, I think they can go no. this way and that. And like you said, Dart even says that, you know, I kind of flicker this way and that. So, mm-hmm. um, so that's really interesting. Um, I'm very, really very, great. Uh, sorry. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, I'm, I'm really, excited to see where you know where dart goes in final quest i am as well and i am i'm looking forward to see if this relationship actually does develop into something um because that that would be really interesting to see yeah Uh, yeah um i love the image of winnow will yeah to see her but that's an amazing image wendy had posted it previously it was just the um the black and white uh pen and ink yep Um, so it's got some color here from Sunny, but yeah, it's just such an awesome image. I was wondering when she posted that, in what context it would be in. So it, it's it's nice to see it here. It's uh, obviously like um, as Dart is mentioning her, mm-hmm. we we have this image of Winnowill. Um, yeah, it's really really a great powerful image of her. Yeah, one of the best actually, I would say, of Winnowill. Yeah, that, yeah, that I can think of. Yeah. Um, Which I also think has got to be some kind of foreshadowing. I mean, we know well, that we Ray know. is going to show up yeah. in the next issue, so yeah. I think this is this was sort of priming the pump, if you will, for for Winnow Will's reappearance, even if if it be in spirit form. So, oh yeah, I'm I'm so looking forward to the next issue yeah. because Rayek is one of my favorite characters. So yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. Even cool. though I I can't stand him most of the time, <laughs> he's so he's fascinating. Yeah, I because of that. I have the same kind of take on Ray. Um, I don't particularly like him, but I no. I think he's very fascinating and very complex. And I think that yeah. without him, the story would be a lot less interesting. Oh, absolutely. So, but I am actually really looking forward to to their reappearance because I thought that the the, the little snippets of the rogue's curse concept mm-hmm. that Wendy did herself yeah. were mind-blowing. Yeah, they you know, were very, uh, the, the, very... The, 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 I think it was only one. It might have been two. I think it was only one, though. Um, sort of comic that appeared in, in, like within the ElfQuest comic volume two in the anthology series to kick off the series. Yes. That, and then the story that she did in the Frank Frazetta Quarterly. Yeah. The full color where mm-hmm. it starts out with Winnow Will's beheaded, you know, her head sitting on the ground. Yeah. I mean, holy crap. How amazing was that, right? Yeah. The art was just... 
like the whole character design of Greg reshaped as a tall, you know, high one size and the clothing and the yes. back and forth between Winnowell. I thought um, after that, I thought that I, I was not a huge fan of the Rogue's Curse storyline after that. Neither was um, I. I didn't, I just, well, for a whole variety of reasons, we could talk about that for hours and hours, but I just generally didn't think that it was, um, it felt like a story that could have been set anywhere that you didn't need, it didn't need to be ElfQuest characters. Right. Um, but the, the, the pieces that Wendy and Richard did themselves, I thought were just so amazing. And not that obviously yeah. we're going to get, you know, we know in a way that Rayek is going to be stuck with Winnowill at least for the next 400 years. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, I'm not looking for any major revelation there, but just to get to see the interaction between the, well, the three of them, if you count Ekwar, done by Wendy yeah. and Richard within the context of the final quest is really, really exciting. Yeah, I'm really excited to see that trio. Uh, and um, I, the one thing, though, I'm a little disappointed about is that he's not going to be in that high one form because that clearly took place... Uh, within the Rogue's Curse storyline after, like, hundreds of years exactly, after. Exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, because I really liked him in that shape. I did, too. He just looked so awesome. Um, and he had the sword and the cape and everything. Yeah. He just looked cool. Um, <laughs> Very Vampire Hunter yeah. D. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know what was interesting about that storyline, though? Like you said, the... the um, the uh, segments that Wendy uh, did herself, um, it's still ElfQuest, but it was almost like a totally different genre. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and I'm trying to think of what genre it would fit into. It's sort of like gothic horror yeah, almost. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay, so which makes perfect sense that that is the route that they decided to go with aesthetically for it because think about it. You've got this tortured soul, this tragic character in Rayek with his you know sort of wise man elder you know, sidekick mm -hmm. with this, you know, sort of black, loveless, malevolent spirit haunting him. I mean, it's yeah. really, it's, it almost makes me think of, of Elric and like, you know, Will sort of being the, the, the equivalent of Stormbringer, this like, you know, possessed evil demon sword that Elric is sort of stuck with, but that he can't yeah. get rid of. Um, yeah. You know, so it's, it, it, it makes sense that they made that decision to make that the aesthetic for the Rogue's Curse storyline. For um, sure. Uh, yeah, so that being said, I'm really looking forward to the next issue with right. them in it. I want to know what's going on with Rick and Ekwar and, and even Winnowill. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so getting back to this issue then, so uh, just briefly, we've got um, Ember and, and Tyr together, and they've got new swords that yep. Tree Stump and, uh, and Clearbrook made for them. So it's, I was looking at it, and I'm thinking it's kind of like they got their, their matching wedding rings. <laughs> Yeah, I that that's a good way to think of it. Um they they are they're they're matching swords and I guess they call you know their name that their swords are the twin flames. So I don't know if they'll have individual names or not, but um I love Ember's new clothes that she's wearing. Oh my god, you took the words out of my mouth. Um <laughs> yeah. They're just awesome. And you know, Wendy's an amazing fashion designer. Totally. I mean, we've said it before <laughs> yeah. and I'll just keep saying it because it it really is true and and you know, that is one of the things that makes ElfQuest great. And one of the things that is a real challenge for other ElfQuest artists. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think, I think most other artists didn't even come close when it came to designing outfits. Um, I think that Lorraine Reyes came pretty close with the outfits that she designed for the, yeah. the Wild Hunt storyline. Yeah. But a lot of times um, when other artists had to come up with their own clothes, it just... It's really hard to top Wendy when it comes to that. 
definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then we've got them talking about the uh, the kids yep. with Vasi, the humans. Um, oh, and we get the name finally. All right, you get to mispronounce it first. <laughs> yeah. Uh, damn you, David. Uh, Tinge? Yeah, that's how I would say it, too. That's what I'm going with. Tinge. Is it possible that I got that right? I don't know. I'm sure Richard will point it out to us. I'm a little disappointed, though. <laughs> Because I was hoping it would be Tinder. <laughs> well, okay. So it's, you, it's, it's half. You got half of it there. Yeah. And maybe maybe there's some subtle I wonder connection. If, if it is, <laughs> my, my heart is bursting right uh, now. That's the case. Yeah. I'm, re- <laughs> I'm reading it backwards. Heg, heg tin. No. Maybe it's an anagram. I don't know. But um, <laughs> but at least at least you got the first part. So I think yeah. it would be... We'll have to be satisfied with that. Tinge. Yes. Tinge. Yeah. Um, so we get a little bit more, though, of Ember's uh, concern about living with humans. Uh-huh. Um, you know, they're not, what does she say? They're not made of the same stuff as Corbasi, and they're going to grow up pretty fast. So who knows what the hell they're going to do, right? Humans are unpredictable. Right. Elves are very wary, um, with good reason, of humans. Um, and then she talks about Tinge, who was healed by Mender, and she points out that um, it seems that humans who are healed or, uh, you know, imb- are imbued with something mm-hmm. from the elves. They carry and a little she, bit of their magic with them for yeah, life. Yeah. yeah, and she uh, references um, Shuna, who she she does say her sister. Yeah. She mm-hmm. does her sister. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I wonder if that's the case. If when when healers heal humans, they're sort of awakening something within the humans, or leaving a bit of elven magic within them, and that would explain, to some extent, Chuna's uh, developing. I'm going to say developing sending ability. Right. Right. Yeah. Because we know by searching the sword that she can send, mm-hmm. and we also know from. The discovery that she was able to see the image of uh, Brill. of Brill, yeah, not not as clear as the elves could, right? But uh, but she was able to see the outline of her form, yeah. So it's a little that's interesting. Yeah, it's it's interesting. I I, I don't really know where that's going to go either. I don't really have any prediction. So um, other than to say that I think Tinge might end up being uh, a significant character as time goes by, which also makes me feel like we might get another jump in time over the course mm-hmm. of the final quest where um you know where where you know maybe we see shuna in old age before this is over like she was like she appeared in well, in searcher and the sword yep yeah i i always kind of thought that searcher searcher and the sword that intro scene with her as an old lady was actually yeah it would be taking place uh, like within the final quest like that's right set in the sign uh, in the same time period not presently this is so confusing not presently in the final quest but at some point in the future of final quest, exactly yeah. that scene would occur and yeah. may- maybe she's telling that story to tinga oh you just that blew be- my mind or maybe it's a what's that i said you just blew my mind <laughs> yeah and and we were kind of together a little bit yeah. So who knows? Yeah. I mean, we'll see. Um, and you know, we we do get to see a little um, sight of Du Bois and Du Girl. So <laughs> <laughs> it's always good to see them. Du Bois looks like he's bored with Corbasi's teaching. So you yeah. know, 
Um, I'm just flipping through pages here. I, I went back a little bit and I'm looking at um, uh, when Shen Shen first shows up in the forest okay. and Red Lance and Nightfall are there, are there who both of them look great. Yeah, um, yeah. Lance in particular. But I love that scene where Red Lance forms a, a little seat right. from the tree. <laughs> Shen Shen. She doesn't even have to ask for it. She just like sticks, sticks her butt, butt out. out. <laughs> He's like, don't worry, I'll make you a, a tree bench. Yeah. Like, it's so awesome. Yeah, I thought that was um, cute too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh... and you know what else? If you flip to the next page, when this is when Shen Shen starts sort of, um, you know, talking about what she wants and what she's looking for. The panel where we see Pike, where he's sort of um, leaning yep. on his uh, the shaft of his spear and he's talking to her. I couldn't help but see the similarity between that drawing of Pike and Rob Biskitza. Totally. <laughs> I think that that is... An it's Rob. No. Yeah. It, that I think Wendy did that on purpose. It very she very well could have. She's quite yeah. fond of him. Um, it, it <laughs> that looks like Rob. It totally does, and I, I I just I don't really have anything to say about it because it the resemblance is so freaking uncanny. It's yeah. just yeah, yeah. That's all there is to say about it. Right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, mm -hmm. yeah. So, so uh, yeah, let's move on then. So we've got. Uh, do you want to go back to the beginning? Well, then? Let's, we, let's let's get back. We didn't talk about. Oh wait, before we before we talk about Venka um, and the go backs and and Winkin um, and that first scene, um, mm -hmm. just just to close the loop on the human children and Shuna um, and Shen Shen. I wonder because my my next question is: so is Shen Shen really just going to ship off and walk into a human town and start midwifing? Like she's going to have no clue how to relate to like function exactly. And so I wonder if she might try to connect with Shuna and Kima I, and yeah, join them and, you know, and then have sort of Shuna be her, um, her ambassador to her own kind so that Shen Shen just doesn't, again, yeah, just kind of go off. Right. And her, her mentor, her teacher too, right. To teach her the ways of humans. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So, I would not be surprised if that's the case. Yeah. What happens if something crazy happens? Like Shuna's son falls in love with <gasps> human Shen Shen. Oh my god. And, well, can't, and they can't be together because the humans and elves can't, like, right. they can't mate, right? right? And they can't... Yeah. That's, if something crazy like that happens... Yeah, that, that's that's interesting. Um, well, if he falls for her, he gets smitten with yeah. human Shen Shen. Well, what I was going to say, and what you just... This idea kind of backs that up. There's Lucky making his appearance. Hey, Lucky! Um, <laughs> the... Uh, <laughs> I, I was wondering when, when and how they were going to work Shuna back into the story. And so yeah. that, that's kind of what maybe made her in my pop into my brain when I was thinking about how Shen Shen is going to, um, you know, sort of integrate with humans. And so it would actually be, that would actually be a great way to work um, Shukapek into the story. If, yeah. you know, he'll obviously be there if they do that, if they, if they connect Shen Shen with Shuna, but you know, maybe he would just be in the background, but that would be a way to make him a little bit more prominent in the story, which would be kind of fascinating. It would be. It would be sort of like a little patch redux in a way. A little bit, yeah, but like totally the cuff kind of flipped on its head. It would be like the elf yeah. going to live with the humans. Right, right, yeah. So, yeah, so anyway, mm -hmm. that was just another thought that popped into my head. 
Definitely. Um, um, did we we talked about Mender potentially becoming like Win Will? Did we mention that? Yeah, we did. I mean, just, this is Dart's concern. Right. Uh, there, yeah, you said the the elves seem to be picking up on this. Like he better watch himself. Uh, it's great because I noticed that a lot of fans had been speculating yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So we've been noticing it too. Right. And, and it's, I, it's been telegraphed since uh, you know um, the first few issues, at least when he's exploding humans' hearts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And yeah. with that like wicked face and the glowing demonic yeah. eyes, and so he takes joy in it. Yeah. Why am I talking like this? I'm and like, he even yeah, says it. He's man. like, "It's not wrong. That would hurt me or mine." So, yeah. um, so that's great. And you know, one thing we didn't mention too on that on this page, the scene between Dart and Mender um, that starts with uh, Mender and Sust is the coloring. If oh yeah. Flip back to that page and just sort of soak in the subtle nighttime moonlight shading that Sonny has done. It's, yeah, it's great. just amazing. And yeah. the art itself, Wendy's line work, is mm. just mind-blowing. Um, what, I, what I notice in particular, actually, is um, the bottom panel with mm-hmm. their eyes. Yeah. In fact, their eyes throughout these scenes. But um, Dart's eyes especially, they're like jewels almost. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was one other thing that I was going to bring up, too. This issue, I think, probably has the maximum number of the the colored pupil effect that I so adore in mm-hmm. any, any single issue of ElfQuest that I can think of, with mm-hmm. the exception, maybe, of the some of the first issues of uh, Five Issues of Hidden Years. But, um, but all throughout, many of the elves have their, their pupils colored. Usually yeah. it's like when, when somebody's highlighted. So like when we first see Dart or when we first see Mender, we get mm-hmm. to see, you know, his, his gray eyes, that color. But I love his gray eyes. I do too. I, do I too. forgot that he had gray eyes. Yeah. Well, I just, I, I love them in part because they're not blue. And I feel like there's so many blonde haired, blue eyed, blue eyed elves mm-hmm. that getting in that mixed up a little bit is, is I think a good thing. Yeah. Um, you know, you've got Dushine, you've got, um, eyes uh, high. New Star. Well, I was going to say New Star, but New Star's eyes really do tip towards the violet. So oh, yeah, they we'll, do. we'll, yeah. we'll give her that. Um, okay. but, um, Sunstream. Yeah. Sunstream. Sunstream? Joy yeah. Leaf. Yeah. Uh, Real Fisher, I think had, had blue eyes. Um, mm-hmm. although I might be right. I don't know if we've ever seen her eyes colored, but anyway, you get my point. Yeah. It's just I, nice yeah. to see a little variation there. Um, yeah, for sure. And, um, an interesting that I just, Another interesting thought is that yep. Tyr also has gray eyes. Mm-hmm. So the two one-time rivals both had gray eyes. So mm, yeah. yeah, and they both rivals. kind of break. They both break the the sort of the hair color and eye color pairing. So there's a lot of brown-haired elves that have brown eyes. Yes, and there's a lot of blonde-haired elves that have blue eyes. Well, Mender's a blonde-haired elf with gray eyes, and Tyr is a brown-haired elf with gray eyes. Whoa. Yeah, do 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 do. I think this is the point where any normal sane human would be like, "These people are crazy. <laughs> what is wrong with these guys?" Um, yeah. All right, this so is what they, this is what they complain about when we go on for three hours. Oh, I know. Well, but yeah. you know, they're all eating it up with a spoon. So absolutely. Um, yeah. Well, okay. So 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 since yeah. you've reminded us of time, I don't. I have no idea how long we've been going here, but yeah, uh, we're about an hour in. Oh, okay. That's so not we're bad. actually making good time. Yeah. yeah. Well, there's really yeah. there's two other things that I think yep. are are you know, kind of noteworthy about this. And one is just, we get to see the completion of the scene with Winkin and Venka. 
And there's really not too much to add to what we've already talked about, um, other than that Winkin does indeed share that that um, that Kavi's dead and tells Venka that she has a brother. And I just I thought that was really cool, and I loved I loved the the middle panel on that page, both for what Venka says that she says you know let it be that I meet him soon, and then mm-hmm. she she gives pokes a little bit of fun at Kavi for, you know, for all her contempt for magic users, she sure knew how to, you know, take advantage of getting cubs by them. And I thought that was funny. Yeah. And I loved that scritchy, scratchy art style, the mm-hmm. inking on that page. It's just perfect technique to, to use inside of the go backs, smoky, you know, sort of dimly lit lodge. And I just, yeah, yeah, I just thought it was totally awesome. Yeah. It's city and yeah, it, it it really it creates an atmosphere. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's really well done. Um, yeah, I mean, we we talked about this uh, these preview pages yep. um, in the last podcast, so yeah. there's not much more to say. If you guys, listeners, want to hear more about these scenes, then uh, the last episode would probably be where you'd want to start. Exactly. Um, but just still like a brief overview. Uh, yeah, it's great. So I'm assuming he... I forgot that Winkin had been in with Ember's tribe. So then he flew from Ember's tribe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. from the new land all the way to up north. Coast. Right. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not really clear on why he went at this point. Is it just to inform Venka that she has a brother? Well, you know what? It's, it's obviously not explained, but this is another example of where I think we, something happens that is completely in character. We know Winkin is a wanderer. We know mm-hmm. he's a little bit of a loner. We know that he's got a long history of just taking off on long journeys just for the sake of it. He's an explorer. And yeah. so I could totally see him, you know, saying, well, you know, I've been hanging out over here with Ember's tribe for a couple months. I'm going to go. I'm, I'm just going to I need to get out of here. Maybe I'll go and try to find Venka and tell her that she has a brother and let yeah. her know about Kavi. And and, right. and it could be that since the two of them have never fully met, they they were both present in Hidden Years number four. The, that's the episode where Lita goes back to the Sun Village to heal everybody. And, mm-hmm. and Ember sneaks onto the palace where Ember um, and Mender first get together. Winkin was there. You can see him flying around the palace. And Venko was there. Um, but they apparently didn't really interact then. And, of course, that was decades ago at this point so at any rate sure. even the, i could totally see winkin just deciding i'm gonna go on on, on a walkabout and this is where i'm gonna go and yeah maybe it took him a few months to do it but kavi and tildak did it they went from the new land back to the frozen mountains so um why couldn't why couldn't winkin do it as well Exactly. Yeah. But no, in in that respect, yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Um. You know what? I I noticed uh, while I was reading it, there's sort of a cool um, little bit of uh, coloring consistency that sort of matches mm-hmm. um, within this issue, and it's when Winkin is first telling Venka about Tear. An image of Tear appears behind him, and it's in. Um, grayscale yep. and gray tones and then if you go towards the end of the issue you have Shen Shen discussing wanting to be turned into a human with Lita and uh, the image from 
Dreamtime of oh, Talib yeah. with the Five Fingers mm-hmm. is also in that grayscale tonal. So it's just as as far as an artistic choice that right. I'm sure Sonny consciously made. It's that that consistency between the two, um, where it's it's uh, an image that characters are imagining, right. and it's they're both portrayed in the in the same manner. I right. just thought that was sort of a neat artistic choice. Yeah, I didn't even I didn't even yeah. pick up on that. So that's 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 definitely cool. Um, mm-hmm. So before we go on to the end, this with this Venka and Winkin scene, there's yeah. a couple more things I want to call out. One is okay. this little speech that Winkin does, you know, where, mm-hmm. where he's saying like no one knows where Rayek is, but well, this is in reaction to Venka's statement about her mother getting cubs with magic users, and so yeah. Winkin basically then says, you know, there's lots of you know, children of magic users that are out there that we know about, um, you know, and then he, you know, he mentions Korofe and, um, you know, and, and tells the go backs about the wave dancers. And so I just thought that was interesting why there would be sort of this emphasis on children of magic users and children and grandchildren of magic users. And I just, I, I wonder if they're, they're making the suggestion that more and more elves are manifesting magical abilities and, what that's going to mean for the future. I don't know. It just, uh, well, that's what I took it to mean. Yeah. And I, I can't see that as being anything more than a, another indication of how the palace is affecting the elves. Right. Right. Uh, it's obviously influencing, um, their magical abilities and it's, it's even influencing, uh, I, I suppose, um, elves in the womb or you know as they're developing maybe it's triggering mm-hmm. late magic abilities right yeah. Um, yeah so um the other thing on this in mm-hmm. this scene is we get to see another shot of Korife. yeah and so two things it's mm-hmm. totally we, we we saw one little image of Korife, sort of as like a maybe a teenager um yes. kind of floating and then we wendy drew uh, shared another sort of teaser sketch of her that um, showed her sort of in you know full body um, as an adult that has not shown right. up in the comics yet. But in both in, in both of those, she's kind of floating, and so yeah. she's got this crazy hair that's like a halo of hair. Right? Yeah, I kind of took it in those other fir- those first two instances to be kind of floating in the air. But now we see her clearly not underwater, clearly not floating. She's standing on that little you know jut of of rock there with the vegetation growing on it and yet her uh-huh. hair is still standing up on end so yeah. i'm really curious to see you know how i mean maybe this is yet another example she, uh, of crazy elf hair she found a fork in the first electrical <laughs> socket on the world of two moons yeah she must have because what else you know i mean she just got this crazy big hair yeah it's um, just this crown of it's like you know in the 80s like frizzing your hair up that's it yes yeah yeah. Um, yeah and then the other thing too is that she seems to wear sort of like a um, kind of a very wispy toga kind of thing hmm, that's only yeah. over one shoulder. So one of right. her breasts are, are, you know, are exposed. And so yes. I think that that's a really interesting choice because, hmm. um, you know, it, it, number one, it makes perfect sense for water elves that they would yeah. have, you know. Uh, a, well, any clothing at all doesn't really right. make sense, but for you know the sake of right. PG thirteen, I suppose exactly. Yeah. So uh, I, again, I just thought that was kind of interesting, and mm-hmm. and are they going to have to sort of draw around that, and you know, like in this right. picture, have a random tentacle covering up, you know, sort of the full nudity aspect of it? Um, well, given that Tamane is still totally naked all the time, and she always has strands of hair in front of her, right. uh, yeah. 
boobs, then right. I would think that's probably going to be the case with Cora Fade yeah. as well. Somehow, it's it's got to be hard though for Wendy to do that. I know because she's got to <laughs> constantly be coming up with new and inventive ways to cover up nipples. Right, exactly, and that's kind of what where like why it's in my brain because it's like yeah. from a character design choice. I think I love it, and I think it makes perfect sense for this character to look and be dressed the way that she is. But from a practical point of view of drawing it, it's an interesting choice because it's going to present issues if indeed that's how she's going to go. But, you know, just that, that sort of look gives her, she she almost reminds me of sort of like, um, like a Greek goddess. Oh yeah. You know, with that sort of, Mm -hmm. uh, again, toga like outfit and, um, and just over the one shoulder. And so anyway, I just, just some observations about that. Okay. Yeah. So, Let's get down to the the last big scene that happens. Mm-hmm. Well, the, I guess there's, well, no, actually, no. We already talked about Shen Shen. So the last big yeah. thing to chew on, actually, in this issue. Well, uh, well, okay, you just mentioned Shen Shen. Let's just briefly go over Lita and her concern about Shen oh, Shen. Oh, okay, Shen okay. And all of the changes that are happening. Yeah. She clearly doesn't want to be the cause of so much change. Yeah. Which is interesting to me because... Lita has changed the most out of any character in the series. I I will hold to that as maybe that's just my personal opinion, uh-huh. my observation, but I think that she has been the most changed um, in terms of where she started out from and where mm-hmm. she is today. Um, but in any case, uh, so she's feeling these pressures from everything that's happening. And it's also, um, it's interesting in and of itself as well because she's an immortal and you know you would think that given the the current situation with the palace and and what it's doing to the elves and that she's an immortal that she would be so open or much more open to it but she sees because i think she has lived with the wolf riders mm-hmm. for so long she sees how portentous and how possibly damaging these changes could be to the wolf riders and i think it scares her in a way that she's never been scared before a, apart from maybe when she um remember when she saw the uh, the eclipse mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's interesting so maybe this is sort of another kind of manifestation of things beyond her control that yes. you know and and you know i think she's grown enough to your point i think she's grown enough as a character to not fear what she can't control but no. I think it's still, I think maybe this is an instance of that manifesting in a slightly different way. Um, you know, this is something big that's happening rapidly and she doesn't control it and it's causing her concern. You know, it's causing her duress. Um, yeah. I so, love how pissed off she is in that scene with Shen Shen. Oh my God. She's like, <laughs> it is unthinkable. <laughs> I know. I like, I like seeing Lita when she's angry. Yeah, she's fired I, up, yeah. I think she's, like, I find it funny, actually. <laughs> um, well, uh, I, but, I, I love that Shen Shen put it right back to her. And it's like, what's yeah. the difference between yeah. chemo or Timane changing into a wolf? It's just a shape, you know? Nothing is, is you know, it's, I'm still going to be me. So yeah. Funny um, that it's Shen Shen importing that wisdom into Lita. Right. You would you would assume it would be the other way around. Exactly. Right? Yeah. But Shen Shen's actually, again, like like Pike, um, there's hidden depths there. Right. And different ways of looking at situations in the world. Yeah, and sometimes it takes the sort of the the the, the jester to point those yeah. things out. 
Well, Shenzhen's always sort of been the the female equivalent of Pike. Uh, I would say Free Touch is sort of filling that role maybe now, right. um, uh, given Shenzhen's current uh, status yeah. <laughs> as uh, Homo sapiens. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, but so, yeah so... Poor, poor Lita, though. She looks so sad at the bottom of that panel when she, she comes across Moonshade and she's yeah. thinking to herself, like, to paraphrase, oh shit, now I've got to take out the wolf blood from somebody. Yeah. Well, oh, and then now my sister wants to be human and there's all this pressure on her to do these things that are going to have immense consequences. Right. Well, Lita does not act impulsively. You know, the few times that she has, like trying to heal one eye, um, backfired. So she's very thoughtful, I think. And I feel like, and this goes back to the control issue as well. Like she, she's not having the chance to really be thoughtful about some of these things. And, um, and that, that's stressful to her. And, but I really love that, that panel where she's looking at Moonshade and she's like, yeah, A, that she's dreading it, that she's dreading that Moonshade will ask her, B, that the other elves are cognizant that this might be something that she might ask, um, you know, to mm-hmm. get rid of her wolf blood. And the fact that she feels so sympathy towards Strongbow, you know, poor Strongbow. Um, And I think probably it's interesting because she can probably relate to Strongbow Mm -hmm. in this issue. And I'm I'm, I'm thinking as I'm speaking here, so it's kind of formulating in my brain, but it's like Lita can appreciate the feeling of knowing what it would be like to have your life mate who is a wolf rider through and through lose their wolf blood and what that would do to them. Mm -hmm. And at first she wanted it, right? But then she realized, wait, no, that would, that's not really what I want because that would change you. And so I think she can empathize with Strongbow in this situation because that's exactly what he's going through. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's, that's very uh, observant. Yeah. And, um, and, I'm, and I'm just, yeah. Oh, yeah. and just that um, mm-hmm. the last thought is that in Strongbow's case, he actually has no control over it, whereas Lita did have the control on whether or not to do it to Cutter. Definitely. So it makes poor Strongbow even less even more helpless. Right, right. I know, I, I, I feel very concerned for Strongbow going forward. Yeah, well... I don't know what's going to happen to him because Moonshade is his life. Yeah. I'm just looking at that panel, though, of Moonshade sitting there and she's just sitting on the, the crystal bench and she's contemplating, mm-hmm. you know, her choices. And it just occurred to me, what if she's actually just sitting there thinking, I've got really bad gas... I shouldn't have eaten that burrito. <laughs> yeah, elves don't do that. <laughs> right. We're thinking she's contemplating, you know, removing the wolf blood, but no, she's just thinking, ah, oh, I shouldn't have had that enchilada for lunch. <laughs> oh, yes. That's exactly what she's thinking. <laughs> oh. Well, since you turned the conversation light, I will um, add another little... Um, bit that I thought was kind of neat was the the fact that um, we get to see a palace storage room and that the yeah. elves actually have, you know, their leathers and, and their, their preserver fabric and furs and whatever that stuff is up at the top left of that panel, like tree bark or just raw leather, who knows? Yeah. But, um, you know, so I thought that was kind of a neat little f- cool. fun little detail that, you know, there was no, no reason Wendy needed to draw that. Right. I mean, they could have just been in another crystal room. But the fact that they had these little storage nooks in there, I think is, is kind of neat. 
Yeah, I think that's really neat too. I noticed that as well. And um, on this page too, just briefly, I will mention some, point out some things I think are also neat. Random sun villagers walking mm -hmm. into scenes are always cool because yep. they're always different. Yeah. But sometimes they're the same and you're like, oh, there's that yep. guy again. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but there's here's another sun villager. Yeah. Um, uh, Tura and Sun Toucher show up mm -hmm. in the background. Mm -hmm. And Sun Very Toucher cool has stuff. lost his beaded or scaled... Um, Helmet. It looks like he's wearing just sort of like a yeah. cloth um, wrap around his head. So yeah. that's kind of interesting. Well, you know what? I can't blame Wendy for changing it because <laughs> drawing those scales would be a pain in the ass yes. for sure. Yeah. Well, she's been uh, doing so, it for all these years. So <laughs> <laughs> more power to her for changing it to a cloth wrap. Right. And then pedaling being annoying, but cute. Yeah. But annoying. Yeah. Yeah. Which is. But it's good to see pedaling. Pedaling. Yeah. Yeah. It's pedaling. That's pedaling for you. Um. So you want to take a step backward here and talk about uh, Sunstream and Skywise and Cutter? Yes. So so um, I think the best place to start is is Sunstream. You know, yeah. we, we, he's been putting off and putting off and putting off, doing this major send and becoming the link between. I know. Uh, yet like, again. <laughs> can you just do it for the love of everything? Right. And. And. So. <laughs> So, you know, he's hesitating and, and Skyways, you know, kind of just says like, oh, is, is that why you're hesitating? Because, you know, you're a life mate and daughter, you're just not ready. And mm -hmm. Saba pipes up and says, no, there's much more to it. But she doesn't yeah. elaborate. And mm -hmm. then... Yeah. Thanks, Saba. Right. And then, <laughs> I mean, basically, you know, we learn that, um, that he's hesitating. Well, I, I'm a little unclear here. So I'm going to say what I think. I am too. Okay. All right. So it's not just me. And this could just be us being dense again. But, um, but. Are you drinking wine right now? No, I'm not. I probably should be. Um, but I think that. <laughs> yeah, maybe that would help us be less dense. <laughs> well, I, I, I don't think we're totally dense. But I think it's, it's, he's saying that he doesn't want to do it because it's really Cutter's place to make this happen because it's really his vision and his dream. You know, that was his quest. Mm -hmm. And so that, that makes a certain sort of sense. And so, yes, it does. um, and I guess he's saying then, you know, I'm not going to do it until you tell me to do it. So my question is, well, okay. They, but they do deal with it in the last scene and what cutter decides. Yeah. So, so yeah. Okay. It, it, it does make sense. I guess it does. Yeah. yeah I guess it does. Yeah. Okay. So we are dense. Yeah. <laughs> All right. We just need to um, talk it through. That's right. We just had to talk it out. And, we, yeah. and so um, Cutter hasn't made that decision. He's Cutter – basically Cutter has now taken on the mantle again of having to make this decision about reaching out to the other elves. Whereas before it was kind of like, well, Sunstream's training, so when he's ready, we'll do it. And no one really thought too much about it. Cutter's probably like, damn it. Why do, why do they always put this pressure on me? I always have to make the hard decisions, right? He finally had somebody else who could do it. No. <laughs> I'm right back to him. Yeah, I think he, uh, I think he accepts his fate. Oh yeah, he's probably just like, yeah, par for the course. Here we go again. Right. Um, <laughs> but we've got. Uh, I, Sunstream is still Sav's apprentice. That's clearly pointed out here, mm -hmm. which I am a little confused about because I thought by now he was sort of past that point. Well, I think that he'll always be. She'll always be sort of a mentor to him. I mean, even Rayek, who. You know, oh, yeah. by all arguments is, is tremendously more powerful than she is, you know, and Sunstream too, like he has a, he's a good, he's a more powerful, you know, sender than she is, but that doesn't mean that, 
like she's still, you know, she's got 10,000 years on him, right? So well, 20,000 years no. or... Well, yeah, but wait a second, because Rick was only Sava's apprentice while he was still less powerful than she was. She still had more power of, than him while he was living in the Sun Village. Mm-hmm. Well, um, but then he left, right? And it, he no longer had Sava as his mentor in any shape or form. But Well, that's um, because he had Ekwar. Yeah. And still does. But Ekwar's not really his... Like, Rayek isn't Ekwar's apprentice. He's his uh, mentor. Wait, Me- then that, that, wouldn't that make him his apprentice? <laughs> not yeah. necessarily. No, not necessarily. I, I think, I think it's... an it, apprentice with... No, you, you can have a mentor without being their apprentice. Yeah, sort of. Mm. I mean, I, 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 it's not apples to apples. It's a little no. bit of an apples to orange. But I think, you know, an, an extremely powerful magic user... Is it can still have a a, a mentor or a um, or, or and or be an apprentice to another elf, you know? Who... I yeah, I get what you're saying, but I think that Sunstream will surpass Savit at some point. At which point he can no longer be considered her apprentice. Right. We'll check back with them in twenty thousand years. <laughs> yeah. I think that's when no, we'll see that. But I mean, you know what? I think it's going to be after he sends out the the um, the Wi-Fi giant <laughs> router thing. Um, yeah, he's going to be considered at that point the. I think he's going to be considered the most powerful magic user. Yeah. Well, I mean, they've. I feel like they've already kind of referred to him in in that sense, at least in terms of this particular power. But I mean, power aside, Sunstream is yeah. just still a kid. You know, I mean, he's barely lived. He's you know, in his 40s, right? And so Sava just, it doesn't matter how powerful or your magical ability is. I mean, Sava just has a presence and like just looking at Sava, there's like a, a subtle, unstated power that just oozes off of her. And, it's her wisdom. Yeah, and her, her, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's and she's regal and all of those other things. So yeah. I don't have any problem accepting that, that Sunstream would be still her apprentice. Even, I mean... Maybe apprentice will eventually be an outdated term to use, but I, 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 I think he will always defer to her. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, I mean, he might be a super powerful magic user, but she's got wisdom and experience, you know, sort oh, of yeah. oceans deeper than he does. Oh, for sure. So, I mean, there's no, there's no contesting that. Yeah. But just the term apprentice being applied to him, right. it definitely doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. Like, I feel like at some point he's got to be you pass the point of being an apprentice at some point right. when you master a skill, right, right? right? So, and I feel like that's going to happen when he does the big send. Right. So, but we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see it. Hopefully this is going to happen next issue. It's got to. It will because it's on the cover. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, Rayek is responding to something on the cover and we can only yeah. guess that it's, it's the sending, but, um, yeah, but he's probably thinking that should have been me. Uh, well, I, you know, we'll see. I have no idea what Rayek we're going to meet, you know, is it, will it be a humbled Rayek or will it be a, an anger, a angry, uh, bitter, bitter? right. Yeah. Um, yeah. So. Yeah. It'll be really interesting. So, mm-hmm. so the, the big thing here though, mm-hmm. all of this is that, it, there's a very it's very clear that this is all being connected back to the original quest um venka says it yeah. at the very top of the of the issue 
you know, this is what Cutter's original quest was about, to find and unite all of us into one great family. And, and Winkin yes. says it still is. Um, yeah. And then, and then so cut to the end of the issue when Sunstream and, and, uh, and Skywise are talking to Cutter, and this all comes out. And, and again, we hear Skywise say, you know, that's the quest. This is the quest to bring everybody mm-hmm. together. Um, and I love that Cutter recognizes, like, the days of searching on foot and paw are over. You know, we're too powerful yeah. now. We don't have to do that, uh, mm-hmm. which which kind of makes me sad in mm-hmm. a nostalgic kind of way. Mm-hmm. Part of me was really hoping that we would get at least a branch off story where Cutter and Skywise adventured again together. Oh, uh, yeah, that's a nice, you know, sentiment. I don't, yeah, I don't, no I don't know. I, you know, even if it's just a one yeah. issue kind of thing, yeah. they have to go off and do something together. We really haven't seen the two of them as the dynamic duo in, in ages. Yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, we might though, we might still, maybe they'll have to go do something. We'll see. Yeah. Don't, don't lose all. Okay. Hope. Yeah. <laughs> but so, yeah. so I just, I think it's really interesting that, you know, it's really sort of being emphasized that like, this is the quest and cutter is now going to be able to complete this quest through his son, you know, mm-hmm. in a way that even they could never even have imagined at the beginning of elf quest, right. That, they would be able to kind of connect the world over and maybe even beyond. Um, so I just think that's really fascinating. And, you know, Sunstream, as we just talked about, is kind of passing the baton back to Cutter to actually make the decision. Mm-hmm. Yes, and it, that makes total sense, right? Yeah. So, okay, he doesn't want to do the send because it's Cutter's quest and he wants Cutter to be the one to complete it. Um, here's what I was speculating or thinking. Uh, what if... Sunstream becomes a conduit through which Cutter can send the call. So Sunstream will amplify Mm -hmm. Cutter's own sending so that Cutter actually is the one who completes it. Well, that maybe that's what happened. Maybe that's how we get to the 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 Cutter freakout panel. The freakout panel. You know, maybe Cutter's mind Mm -hmm. touches, and and this is the last big thing that. I, I want to talk about on this issue, which is, I, I don't even know what to say about this, but maybe Cutter, number one, I think that Sunstream will have the ability to do that because it's been, he's been described as that big, I think in Sava said it like, you know, through him, all elves will be able to connect with each other. Exactly. So I think he's that a conduit, right? He's the, hmm. the Wi-Fi signal. Um, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that's a possibility. And so if he does that, um, you know, maybe his mind touches, some something that is or he learns something by doing that that is so shocking to him that causes his freak out i don't know what that could be but even if even if that's not what happens mm-hmm. the, I, I i'm actually so so cutter's he, cutter is now hesitating because he's like okay right i gotta think about this i gotta make a decision and now that i'm thinking about it we probably shouldn't do this here because all of these elves are going to come out of the woodwork and, you know, it's sort of like the Holt is not big enough for them. And I'm sure he's thinking like, what if some of them are hostile? Right. And so right. he makes the decision that before they do this, they've got to take the palace out of there. So, right. so many questions like number one, where are they going to bring the palace where, where, yeah. where resources aren't going to be an issue. Right. Yes. Um, and where, you know, it won't, the palace won't be in danger from humans, where other elves mm-hmm. will be able to get to it easily without putting themselves mm-hmm. at risk. And so many questions that, you know, obviously we'll get answers to as it goes on. But 
Yeah, this was this was a really big thing, right? When I read this, I'm thinking like, oh, where are they going to bring it? Where could they bring it? Maybe maybe to the uh, the continent of Hearthstone that we've heard about. Yeah. What if there aren't any humans there? Or, um, but given that that's in the middle of the ocean, right. that doesn't seem to. But you know what? What if they can send out pods to go pick everybody up and then bring them back to the palace somewhere, right. somewhere isolated? Yeah, and that's and that's a possibility too. Um, huh. And so. Yeah, but but the, the big thing that really mm-hmm. kind of has been blowing my mind about this is um, is this you know right? So we've gotten all this emphasis on Cutter's original dream and the original quest, and you know, sort of this idealistic notion to sort of make one great big family out of all of the elves in the world of two moons. And fast forward to the Cutter of today, mm-hmm. and wow, what a different more mature character he still has that dream but he's not the same guy that was you know marching up to blue mountain being like hey we're all cousins let's get along you know like he, no he's much more con- contemplative now yeah i mean he well he well you know after having dealt with the likes of winnow will and rayek and you know even two edge and surge you know mm-hmm. he, he's much more mature and while he still believes in the dream of uniting everybody he recognizes that other elves can be dangerous and he's not just going to march in, in again with his sort of bright eye and bushy tail. Oh, la, 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 la. We're all love, you know, friends and family and we love each other. And, you know, yeah. I just think that's so amazing and fascinating and yeah. such a great. Well, sure. I mean, he has so much more experience. He's much more cautious now. Um, and like you said, he's well aware of the dangers that are out there in the world. He's not, uh, you know, um, naive, as naive as he might have been in his youth. Right. And so, yeah. And I think that's just awesome because, you know, back when we were all reading the original quest, you didn't really think of Cutter as sort of this dumb kid, but a really kind of naive kid, maybe is a better term. Um, mm-hmm. But but be, reading the final quest, you really, especially this this sort of development, getting to kind of think, or you really do see how much evolution that this character has gone through. Oh, sure. And I thought that um, was awesome. Yeah, I, he's he's much changed from the beginning, um, significantly uh, in in all respects. Really, um, he's so much more wiser now. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I, that's what I think is required of a leader in his position, though. So, right, yeah, I'm I'm glad that he is the way he is now. Totally, yeah. Especially with the the current circumstances that they're dealing with, you need somebody who would be um, as as wise as he is. Yeah. So I think, well, of course, we know that his wisdom isn't going to be foolproof, right? <laughs> Some, no, of course, something not. bad is going to happen. Um, yeah. So. Well, okay. Here's another thing. Uh, this is going back to that freakout panel. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've mentioned this before. Wendy said something about there's something missing. I pointed out New Moon. Mm-hmm. Well, look at what he's looking at in this scene. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, why is he looking at Two-Edge's key? Why is he looking at the key? And, yeah, which, you know, you would think that the key is kind of an obsolete thing, right? I mean, it's it opens that one door in the Frozen Mountain Trolls um, kingdom that Two-Edge created to hide his treasure or his... Uh, well, his <laughs> Here I am talking like Picknose to hide his um, <laughs> his his armor that he made for the elves, yes. right? So, mm. um, so maybe he's just reminiscing about the days of the, the the old days and and what that key symbolizes, you know, in terms of 
it's sort of a symbol of the original quest. Right, I, the beginning? Yeah, is what I'm thinking. I don't know. I think it is that, but it's also something else. What do you think? I think there's a, I don't know yet. I just feel like there's a deeper significance to that. Okay, yeah. Yeah. I, 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 yeah, maybe. I, and I have no idea, obviously. We'll, we'll have to wait and see. Um, yeah. If anything comes to me, though, I will yes. let you know. Yeah. Oh, oh. And then the one thing we haven't touched on is Tamei yeah. turning back into a wolf. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Hmm. So that's, I know. that's interesting. I don't know yeah. what that could mean and why she would suddenly decide to be a wolf again. I wonder if she's going to leave the palace and, you know, sort of live outside again. Yeah. Yeah, that was. But again, on the the cover of the next issue, we see see her in her. Oh, that's true. Elfin form. That's true. So yeah. maybe this was just uh, an easier way of traveling through the Holt. Right, and finding Cutter too. She probably had to follow him by scent. So um, yeah, exactly. So that would make yeah. sense. I love I love the um, the backgrounds here that Wendy has drawn in this yeah. scene, the, the scene with the little stream mm-hmm, and everything. Mm-hmm. I love those little details. You and I both yeah. do when we've talked about that yep. before, but it's just such a nice, um, nice, uh, like addition right. to, to the story to see little details mm-hmm. like that of the, the forest environment. Yeah. Well, the page where Cutter climbs up to the top of the father tree, um, is also another really super detailed one. Um, oh, yeah. the leaves and the, um, check out the stitching, on Red Lance's outfit, you know the little—I know it's awesome. Yeah, the little leaf cutout, and just the detail on the wolves too, the shagginess yeah. and the the you know the, sort of the distinct facial patterns that um, that we mm-hmm. kind of haven't seen a lot of, and I think we're seeing them again in Final Quest, which is pretty awesome. Yeah, I love it. I love it. I love the detail that Wendy's putting right. into this storyline, and I know I say it every <laughs> episode, but yeah, this one's my favorite art so far. Yeah. Oh, oh <laughs> another thing that I just thought of that I wanted to touch on mm-hmm. too, that well, when you said my favorite, one of the things that I like about this issue so much is the pacing, and you know, I, you know, we, we hit we, the final quest, you know, hit the ground running. Fin, you know, with the recognition storyline and all of this drama and battle and death and everything. And yeah. we've, we've gone through that story arc. And now that we're kind of hitting the final quest proper, mm-hmm. this issue is great. Like, I think Wendy said it. Like, this is the issue where everything happens and nothing happens. Yeah. Right? Nothing. No, was that number six? I think she said that. About no, no, no. She, she said it before six came out. But she was talking about issue number seven. Six, seven? Yeah. So... Oh, okay. It, she's right. Nothing really happens, right? Like nobody goes anywhere or does anything monumental with the exception of Shen Shen at the end. That's kind of monumental. But the rest of it is just sort of like conversations and thinking. Right? Character development. Character development. And it's I, I didn't realize how much we kind of needed that at this point to yeah. kind of just take a breath, catch our yes. breaths after the first adventure action violent you know sort of opening to the final quest kind of catch our breath and kind of reset and and connect this back to the original quest mm-hmm. it was so great i kind of felt like i was just hanging out in the hold with these yeah. you know with these elves com- and that's completely agree that's like i mean you obviously can't do that every episode or every issue but no. um because then the story would be boring you need some more yeah. you know dramatic drama and action, action or whatever but um sure. But yeah, I mean, this this is probably of all the issues of ElfQuest, in all of them, I felt like I was kind of there just hanging out in the halt. Awesome. Yeah. Out of the entire series? I think so, yeah. 
Wow. I can't think of another time where I really kind of viscerally felt that. I think part of it is that the, um, the art is in full color too. Mm -hmm. Um, that adds to it. Yeah, I think it certainly, I think it adds to it. Um, not that I, I, I dislike Wendy's black and white art as I've gone on and on about in the past, but, um, it's really like, we're, I don't know this, this, it's so evocative what Sonny does with the color. Yeah. It's it lends itself so well to this story. I mean, it's really it's really a a great um, what's the word I'm looking for? The, the the fact that he's a part of this team is like I feel um, I don't want to say blessed, <laughs> but I guess that's the only thing that's coming into my head yeah. right now. <laughs> I'm not religious, but yeah, that's the closest I word I can come. I, up I can with, relate. So. I can relate to that. It is it, Sunny is doing an amazing job and it's so great to have somebody who who understands what ElfQuest is you know mm-hmm. this is not just like a freelance gig for him right it's like it's you know he understands it and 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 equally great that it's somebody that that somebody that Wendy and Richard have their you know have love and trust with you know it's it's it, it makes it special absolutely yeah. yeah well we've seen Wendy referring to uh to Sonny is bro, right. and he calls him sis, yep. yeah. right? So, I mean, that's how close they are. Okay. And this is clearly a, a, like a passion project for him as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's evident in, uh, in what he does. Well, so. well, with that said, I think um, mm-hmm. I, I don't really have anything else that I wanted to chew on in this, uh, this episode. And I do want to say, I do want to officially make this suggestion, and that is that we try to get Sonny on for an interview. I would love to. That would be so much fun. And I've said this before too. If he comes on, I w- I would love to hear his <laughs> renditions of ElfQuest character voices because I I am certain that he must have. Some. You you are absolutely right. And so um, I will take it upon myself to reach out to Sonny. And um, since there's not going to be an issue next month in February, perhaps mm-hmm. we'll be fortunate enough um, to be able to get Sonny for you know half an hour, an hour, or whatever. And um, and 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 just you know pick his brain about ElfQuest. That would be really fun. But before we go, I just had a couple of things okay. I wanted to add. Uh, the just before the last page, there's a panel of Cutter going towards the palace to find out what's up with Lita because he can sense her. Yep. She's troubled, and he uh, he mentions to Filcher his wolf that uh, Filcher stole the Sun Toucher's staff and they couldn't <laughs> find it. I just thought that was a really nice moment. Totally, it's funny. That's yeah. another one of those like they totally not necessary. It the story would have moved on just fine, but just getting those little details of character development and and humor and whatever, I you know, it's just kind of neat. Mhm. Um another thing is I love how the dream time <coughs> dreams are finally coming to fruition right. with the story itself and we're getting sort of an explanation of what all the dreams were. Right. I think that's I'm really excited about that. Well, you know, if you think about it, Dreamtime was done back in the 90s when they were really plotting out the final quest. Yeah, so 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 it kind of makes sense that we got all of this great stuff in Dreamtime and that it yeah. we we're not seeing it actually come to, 
you know, to its fruition until now, because I think it was originally meant, and I, I'm sorry, Lucky has now grabbed a squeaky toy. So I was wondering what that was. <laughs> he's like, he's getting irritated with me for not paying attention to him. So he went down like the most obnoxious squeaky toy and he's sitting just out of arm's reach. I can't get him. Just swipe it away. <laughs> Smart from guy. Him. Yeah. So, um, okay. So we better wrap this yeah. up then. Uh, one last thing I wanted to say though. Okay. As far as speculation is concerned, some people have been saying this too, but I just wanted to put it in the podcast for posterity, I guess, uh-huh. and to give those people sort of a forum on the podcast. But, um, the idea that Jink might actually be the daughter of Cutter and Skywise and Lita. Right. Together. Um, and the more I'm thinking about that, the more I'm thinking, yeah, because what if... Lita and Skywise decide to leave and they want to leave a part of themselves with Cutter mm-hmm. and now um, what we know about with Sust but also with what's happened with the palace and the unlimited possibilities the healers now have yeah I think anything's possible on that front yeah yeah so anyways I just wanted to put that out there we'll see what happens in time yes but yeah Lucky's I... like hey dad you need to take me out right yeah, now yeah he's yeah, he's like literally like just outside of arm's reach. So yeah, I think I think that is my cue that I need to wrap it up here. But um, okay. another great episode. Um, yes. Great chats. I can't believe it. We're under two hours. I know. And we had that big sort of intro. So I think uh, I think we're getting better. I think it's just because yeah, we've it talked. Took us like we, fourteen episodes. Right? I think it's because we've talked about everything there is to talk about all the sidebars and tangents that there's really not much left to dive into. And really all we have left to do is focus on the issue at hand. So <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I like this format though. I think we should strive towards this same type yeah. of uh, episode going forward. Yeah, I do yeah. too. I liked kind of just taking the conversation where it went. So hopefully everybody yeah. out there that's listening did too. But we still touched, uh, I touched on everything I wanted to talk. about. I did too. So yeah. Did too. Yeah. Excellent. Okay, great. All right, awesome. Well, we'll, we'll be back um, hopefully next month. And um, if, if that doesn't happen, then obviously we'll be back in March for the next issue, issue number eight. I can't wait. All right. Awesome. Good talking with you, you David, too. as always. Yep. All right. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye, everyone. The music that you heard at the top of the podcast was a track called Hunting for Experience by Epicus from their album An Epic Journey. You can find music by Epicus and thousands of other artists royalty-free for your podcast or multimedia projects on jamendo.com. That's J-A-M-E-N-D-O dot com. Well, that's it for this episode of the ElfQuest Show podcast. As always, you can join the discussion on the official forums on ElfQuest.com, on Twitter at, at ElfQuest, or on any of several Facebook pages, including the official ElfQuest Facebook page and the ElfQuest Facebook fan page. Don't forget, you can read the entire ElfQuest back catalog at ElfQuest.com, along with tons of other great stuff like character bios, behind-the-scenes features, and more. The Final Quest is published by Dark Horse Comics, and you can get the latest issue of ElfQuest the minute it comes out at digital.darkhorse.com. Until next time, shade and sweet water. <laughs>